Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Anne Shea, lead UX researcher at Facebook. We talked to Anne about her definition of user experience and research, her experience as the first researcher working on Google Music and her creative approaches to dealing with time constraints. We cover the topic of stakeholders, why they are important and how to get them on board a research project. We talk about governance and ethics when researching social groups. We cover how she deals with bias and her preferred methods of research. Lastly, she gives advice on how to make a smooth transition from academia to industry. We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, uh, we are here today with Anne Shea from Facebook. Hi Anne. Hi. Um, we're very excited to have you on the show today. You're um, the first person from Facebook that we are talking to. Tell us a bit more about your background in this space. Like, how do you come? How did you come to do the things that you do? What motivated your interest in this area? Sure. Yeah. So it's actually a funny story because I joke around that I got into human computer interaction and user research because of hip hop dancing, which is kind of funny. Um, but basically, when I was an undergrad student at Cornell in 1999, I joined a hip hop dance group um, my first semester. And this was before, you know, this is 1999, before everyone really had a personal laptop, but I got to have my first desktop computer at school. And I always recorded our performances with an analog camcorder and I got very interested in converting the video to digital and sharing the video by email and web with a group and then furthermore getting more interested in web design overall and so I was undecided um, for my major at the time so then but I decided to look for a major that would let me study the interaction of computer science with psychology and I was really fortunate to find um, this major called communication systems and technology which was a major and then find an information scientist minor, which is now a major, but basically I feel really fortunate to be able to have learned about human computer interaction back in 2000. And uh, interestingly, I also did my honors thesis on personality traits and cell phone usage. And so, yeah, I felt like uh, pretty lucky to have gotten a start in HCI um, pretty early on. Mm. Oh, and then I have more, sorry. Uh, then I went to Stanford for graduate school for a research education degree and for my master's. And I was fortunate to do a lot of internships in what was then Macromedia, now Adobe and Stanford Research Institute. And I was also a part of BJ Fogg's Persuasive Technology Lab. Um, and I ended up after that getting an internship at Yahoo that was converted to full time. And so then I worked on communication and community like Yahoo Groups, um, Yahoo 360 for three years. And then I went to Nokia to work on smartphones. And then after that, I went to Google in 2009 um, and worked there for seven years, working on a lot of different projects like video search search as you type Android ice cream sandwich I was the second researcher on Android Android mu uh, Google music Android at home Google keyboard assistant and uh, the Google app for iOS um, and then for the last year and a half I've been at Facebook and Instagram um, now most recently leading research on Facebook groups so um, before going in specifically into your experience I would like to ask you to to define user experience what would you say it is 
and, and what is its purpose um, in relationship to a product? Yeah, sure. So user experience to me is how a person feels and interacts with a product, a system or a service. And I feel like the discipline's purpose is to really be user focused versus business focused um, and thinking in the mind of the person who's going to use the product. So what we call the end user and how their experience may be or maybe how it should be. And, and what would you say is the um, role of a researcher in that space? Yeah, so I really feel like my job is to be the user's advocate or the voice. And as far as how I define user experience research, I think of it as the discipline of uncovering and understanding more about the user's experience through various methods. Um, and in the past, I've talked about user experience research kind of in three facets in a triangle. So there's kind of the deeper usefulness, finding unmet user needs, you know, possibly through understanding a person's life more deeply. Um, then there's usability. Is a product usable? Is it a feature or product easy to understand? Are people able to learn or perform core or key tasks really quickly? And then there's this desirability. Is the product desirable? And this is done through more kind of visual appeal or branding identity. Um, so thinking about those three facets, and how we kind of uncover and understand more about users through um, different methods. Hmm. And through your journey so far in all of these companies and projects, do you have a particular project or a particular theme that, that kind of resonates more with your um, passions and interests? Yeah, um, I really love being very creative and thinking about, um, in my mind, how to be a UX MacGyver. Um, so I love... I love coming up with new mixed methods and adapting them to work with a product. Um, so I, you know, for example, I started out in user research, I think, fairly early in 2004 to five, and everything was on the desktop then. Uh, now there's so many new platforms like mobile and home automation, watch, etc. And I really like thinking about how to adapt these kind of traditional methods to these new landscapes and technological mediums. Um, and also as a researcher in tech, you're often under many constraints like balancing time versus rigor but I, I actually like it I think it's like a really good challenge and I feel like it kind of springboards new creativity so for example I was the first researcher on Google Music and I remember being told by the team I had to find out the top music user needs and pain points within three weeks oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah so it's a short amount of time and normally you know I would love to do a diary study and a field study but I knew I didn't have time to do that so I decided to do what I call kind of pseudo-ethnography or in-lab interviews and basically I asked all the participants coming in to bring in and I recruited for people for kind of light to heavy music users I asked them to bring in all their music devices from home like mp3 players hard drives laptops I brought them had them bring them all to the lab I also beforehand asked them if they could take pictures of their home setup and then in the lab I kept it really, really high level. I had them kind of give me a tour of all the music they had, all the pain points. I also gave them, I like doing these probes, both in the lab and in, um, in people's homes, but I gave them blank sheets of paper. And one of the tasks I asked them to do was write out a day in their life with music from the most recent weekday and most recent weekend, de mm -hmm. weekend day. So for example, 
7 a.m., you woke up and you learned, listened to alarm clock radio to then when you went to work, you listened to the car radio and whatnot. So getting a really good picture of their day in the life with music and seeing that throughout a couple different participants, you definitely get a lot of themes. Um, I also, if they didn't take pictures of their setup at home, I had them draw out their setup at home and really learned a lot about really complicated workarounds that people had. Like they had you know, like a desktop streaming from their, from in their living room, from their um, bedroom and just different things. And, and you could see the pain points from there. So even though I had limited time and it wasn't an actual ethnography, I felt like I still learned a ton of insights about their music experience. And I was able to lead the team forward with a direction and really um, even able to create personas later on with some qual- quantitative data using use cases and then be able to have the buy-in to run in-home interviews later on. Yeah. Where does this time constraint come from? Is it is it relative to the to the project um, time frame as a whole or specifically research has a smaller weight? I think it's a mix of lots of things. I mean, having worked in the tech industry for about 13, 14 years, I think there's always especially at Facebook, but also at Google and Yahoo, there's just this mantra of moving fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because we always want to be on the cutting edge of innovation and making sure we're having a nice balance of kind of making sure the state of our current products are doing well, but also thinking future forward. And and then just, I think in academia, you may have like the time to do things in six months to a year, but in industry, you that's when I feel like you really have to balance um, the time, the the time, and also the stakeholder involvement, which is not a part of academia. So, for example, I always tell people like if I have a choice between like having a really long time to do something very rigorous and then bringing versus bringing stakeholders along, I will always do the thing that will bring the stakeholders along and then, but try to make sure it's rigorous by other things like triangulating with other methods, looking at other studies that have been done in the past, like doing a lit review, desk research, and then making sure it's rigorous that way. But for example, if I run a, ethnography and no one comes with me I feel like that is definitely a shortcoming versus like making sure that you know stakeholders are in the lab taking notes or in the field with me listening to the participants and and really really like empathizing and being able to see the user's point of view so would you say then that that um, maybe that concept of time you mentioned earlier that it's it takes little time now but then you do more research later so it's like it's, it's is it a function of just the way that time is allocated um, within projects? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like being in tech, um, things just move really quickly and priorities change all the time. Um, And so you have to be very adaptive to product roadmaps and then like things that happen, you know, that Mm -hmm. um, happen just changing in the industry, responding to big changes in the market or even, um, you know, big economic things that can have ripple effects and anyway just so just being really conscious of how to balance that idea of being able to lead the team forward but also being able to keep um thinking about the big picture but being able to um yeah engage the people along the journey yeah what do you think about the skill set and the uh, how do you say the background that a, a researcher should have in this environment then Uh, You mean in the tech industry? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things. I mean, I do quite a lot of interviews. I think there's definitely the skill component, um, having, 
talk to a lot of different types of researchers, whether it be qual, quant, and mixed. Um, so I think there's definitely room for all those different types of skills. Um, I think stakeholder management is a really big one that's mm-hmm. not common in academia, but that is something that is necessary in tech Um, especially because you'll be working with people like product managers and data scientists and engineers, designers, lots of different people, and maybe even more than one product team at once. And then also thinking about the larger picture of the, maybe your research team is also very centralized. So you might be working with other researchers, but being able to have empathy for your stakeholders too, and think also about how, how to convey your research so it's understood and actionable and also that yeah like different types of stakeholders or different types of audiences can can understand it and also want to move want to do things with it and having a point point of view to move things forward do you have certain processes or tools in place to ensure that 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 stakeholder management is um, is done or it kind of like relies on each person's ability to, to invest in that Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has their own style. Um, For me, you know, when I start out in the process, I will usually do some like a quarterly road mapping session with all my different stakeholders, having gathering them in and then, you know, asking like, what are all the questions you have? Let's prioritize them. Usually I have, you know, too many than I myself (laughs) can do. And so then it's a matter of figuring out, you know, what's the priority, but also, like, can we combine certain things into a study together, even if they're across different teams? And also, are there things that they're not asking for, but I think, you know, as a thought partner, like we should be doing and thinking about. Um, so really kind of building out that roadmap. And then also, yeah, just as much as I can, I really try to involve stakeholders early on and throughout the process. I do a thing called team notes, where um, if I'm running a study in the lab or even you know in the field, I will um, have uh, different team members take their observational notes while I take my kind of verbatim notes, and then you know debrief in between sessions with them and make sure, and maybe even at the end if they've attended more than one session, ask them to send me their top three findings, and just so they really feel like their voice is incorporated but you know having the researcher kind of standpoint of like having the background of research and knowing more objectively what happened but understanding like their point of view on what they think is important to for the product to move forward how do you as a let's say as a researcher looking into different companies um how do you are how, how are you able to kind of assess um the importance of research within that culture Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's really in how the stakeholders talk about research and how um, decisions are made. I've been really pleasantly surprised at, um, well, not surprised, I guess. Um, At Facebook, we talk a lot about people problems, and I think it's because it's such a social product. So we really think about, like, you know, what is the what is the problem we're trying to solve that people are having, which is really use a user need problem essentially. So I think that's great that, you know, we have that culture at Facebook that we think a lot about like, you know, deeply what are people struggling with and how do we, what are different solutions we can come up to help, 
you know, to help them. Um, and, and also what are other facets in their lives what, that we aren't considering or what's the bigger picture? And then we're a very global company. So thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, how does it change differently depending on someone's socioeconomic status, like depending on whether it's an individualistic or a collectivist culture, depending on their, you know, whether they're marginalized in that government or not and just different things. Um, so I think that there's, if I hear, stake, uh, I did an exercise with my um, cross-functional team last week and I was really happy to hear a lot of my stakeholders said, you know, I, I would try to convince other people by using a combination of research and data and just talking a lot about how important research is. What about governance? Do you um, do research around that topic as well? Um, we have different teams at Facebook that do that, um, like civic engagement. I don't necessarily focus on government itself, but um, I'm a part of Facebook groups. So I will think a lot about um, communities and how different community structures are and institutions are and also just um, how a person fits into a community and I try to think about it through different disciplines too like anthropology might be kind of a loose social construct versus um, some sociology like Putnam for example describes it more as like traditional institutions like church or PTA Um, but yeah like thinking more globally about like like people's circumstances and how that kind of affects how they view themselves and how they view their communities. How do you deal with ethics when it comes to, um, to when it comes to researching groups? Yeah, I mean we have a pretty th- thorough process with how we look at sensitive audiences and how we are able to ask about um, sensitive topics. So I would say it's it's pretty vetted between different specialists at the company. I I would definitely be really careful about. Um, all the type of questions I ask. Um, I really try to do my due diligence by doing a lot of um, lit review and desk research and reviewing of certain topics beforehand, um, especially like complex topics like community, for example. Um, So I really don't try to um, ask anything that may be, especially for a controversial topic that, um, yeah, I wouldn't ask anything new without having vetted it um, thoroughly, like between different channels. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, f- I do feel like my goal is to be the user's voice. And that all, that means, um, you know, illustrating positive and negative things about their lives and um, about their usage of our products. So I, I try to be um, fairly honest about that. Um, how, how do you how do you see technology maybe changing the way we interact with each other or is it changing the way we interact with each other? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that technology is really powerful and um, and there's still a lot of different things that are coming out. Um, I mean, back in oh, 2010, I did a pretty big field study on um, how um, media was being used, um, in particular video. And I remember coming up thinking that, um, for example, at the time YouTube was really democratizing how, um, who could have a voice, um, and who, for example, there are people in, you know, Southeast Asia who probably wouldn't, or different people from different fields who, um, wouldn't normally for example, be on TV, Hmm. but had a voice because of of YouTube and being able to become an influencer. So that was really fascinating to see. And I love 
that's why I really love um, thinking about social media and understanding kind of the landscape and how it's really changing and especially um, unintended uses of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely understand those can be both positive and negative. But I think um, I think it's an interesting balance. I mean, I think that we really have to think about those sides of the coin like the positive and negative consequences but i I feel really inspired to see like a lot of positive things coming out um i do i see a lot of research on you know for example marginalized groups of people in kind of developing countries who wouldn't normally have a voice but that they do because of facebook or other social media and so just different things like that like the way um technology has democratized certain things is is to me pretty important um, and interesting just to study um, one of the fascinating things about products um, like Google or Instagram or Yahoo or even Facebook is the fact that it's one product that spans so many cultures and so many geographies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you manage to, to design a, and research in an inclusive way to all of these cultures? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a really big thing that we think about um, and different companies approach it in different ways and different teams approach it in different ways. I'm really passionate about um, not making sure we include non-Western um, cultures and also, you know, more collectivist versus individualistic cultures. Um, part of my life, I grew up in a, in Taiwan in a pretty collectivist culture. So I know it's very, very different than um, in the U.S. and um, lots of things are different in terms of access and also how you think about yourself uh, versus your family and community, as I was saying. Um, So when I do think about research, I think a lot about who's the right audience. And then if I am able to include other markets, um, we do try to, um, again, it's that balance of time versus like um, our goals. But I will usually include at least three to six markets. And I will think about um, different ways to do it. I mean, I obviously like if we have the time and resources, um, ethnography is great, but um, we've I've done things like remote interviews um, for surveys. We try to do surveys in other countries as well. And so, yeah, just really thinking about the goal of the project and then how to include other markets or, I mean, even thinking the other way around. Sometimes we may just want to start with a really different market. So um, it just depends on. Yeah, the, pro- the goal and, and what we're thinking about. Would that kind of um, attention to diversity uh, would also include the composition of the teams that work on this type of project? Like having people from uh, that are very diverse, coming from different geographies and different parts of the world, working together to, to develop products? Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely try for that. Um, and then we also have... Yeah, depending on the company, I've worked at different companies who have different structures, but sometimes we have a lot of different remote offices, and so they may be a part of it, and we might collaborate with some of the researchers in the other local offices. Like, I did a field study in Brazil when I was at Yahoo, and yeah, worked with the Brazil team there, but also, you know, worked with a vendor to go into people's homes and workplaces. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely think about it with a I definitely am, you know, big into making sure the team is is diverse and also thinking about and also having diverse backgrounds, not just, um, yeah, diverse backgrounds, but also like um, in research, thinking about different types of um, fields as well. Yeah. How do you personally deal with bias, your 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 own bias when you are um, when you are researching a, a specific mm-hmm. topic? Yeah, I mean, I really try very hard um and i think having done research for a really long time not to be biased um i 
really in when I'm interviewing people try to say as little as possible and um, lead as little po- as possible or I mean not try not to lead at all but basically you know when people I think there's a lot of little tricks but like when people are always some people say you know is this the right answer or what does this do I always say what do you think it does and you know just kind of reflecting back to the person and just really making sure that it's about their voice. Um, I also do a lot of video clipping for my deliverables and, and really try to feature their voice. Um, when I'm recruiting, I really try to, depending on the goal of the study, I try to do a good balance of different types of users. I mean, obviously, we usually do things like gender balance and um, age range and um, different things like that. But um, depending on like if it's supposed to be a mix of tech usage, you know, having a low tech usage as well as high tech usage or whatnot. So yeah, just thinking a lot about how to make uh, the research representative of the audience we're trying to target. Do you have any uh, preferred methods of of research that you personally um, enjoy more than others? Yeah, so I think um, I talked to you earlier about the creative research methods, mm-hmm. but um, I, I recently co-founded this um, monthly creativity research jam at work. Um, and it's a gathering with a lot of other researchers just to kind of brainstorm different things. And this is not just method, but also um, how to take stakeholders along the process and also how to, you know, inc- really like get them engaged in the deliverable or having them move forward and taking action uh, based on our research. And um, another thing is I'm really passionate about triangulating more than one method of research. Um, usually for my research, I'm, I'm big into these kind of three phase research plans. So for example, if um, something's going to launch, I usually have a three-phase plan where I have a diary study, which is more usually like a seven-day daily survey of usage and deep diving into a topic and then having pre- and post-usage surveys and then running kind of in-home or in-lab interviews. And this helps me, I feel like, create a really holistic deliverable that combines the what, like 83% are doing X, but with the Y, and it's because of this reason. And then just really be able to triangulate like multiple methods of like quantitative and qualitative yeah that's pretty cool i really like your your jam is it is it a new initiative that you that you started or it's been there for a while yeah it's pretty new we've had it about three times we're doing every month um previous researchers had done something um like kind of one-off workshops but i kind of felt then i felt like some of the other researchers really wanted to more brainstorm with each other and as I was saying you know this this landscape is changing so quickly that I think like it does lend itself to kind of um, want to brainstorm about different problems that we have that like when we have different constraints like for example I can't travel but I want to reach this audience like here let's jam about this problem and think about different ways we could do it or like um, I want to do a VR thing but I XYZ and then yeah so just just being able to do things with other researchers and just thinking just I wanted it to be really casual and mm-hmm. like you know everyone being able to so I called it a jam kind of like yeah, in music yeah. But, yeah but like just thinking yeah, more like a workshop where people can kind of just brainstorm casually together. Um, I also wanted to ask you, because of you have such a, an, um, a long experience in the, in the sector, and for our listeners out there that are maybe considering accessing the field coming from academia, um, what would you advise them? How, how could they kind of approach this, um, this path? 
Yeah, I would definitely advise them to try out a project on their own. Like pick a favorite app or website, um, try out a heuristic evaluation. You can get um, Nielsen's heuristics online um, or run interviews or a usability study with friends or intercepts at a coffee shop. I just think if you try things out yourself, you learn a lot um, and you can write out what you learn, do analysis, even thinking about product recommendations. And if you just do more things like this over and over again, you'll learn and hone the product process organically and this will also help you put together a portfolio that can get you in the door um, I see a lot more and more kind of people's portfolios and I think um, there are just so many more resources now mm -hmm. than there were in previous generations and I just love seeing initiative and passion from people new to the industry and um, have you worked so far in your career with social scientists or people coming from academia It's been a huge mix. Um, I mean, we definitely have a lot of people coming from academia who have PhDs in social psychology or um, other fields, but we also have people more from industry and I mean, just a lot of, so that's what I was saying when like diversity of field is important. I actually, yeah, I mean, like we might have people from the military or from like really different backgrounds. And I think that, that everything kind of brings Everyone brings their um, interesting background to the table. Do you have a specific avenue that you go down when you are looking to uh, for for a new person in in, in the research team? Um, yeah, there's a mix. Um, uh, there is a Google group called Design Research, and I've used that in the past um, for hiring. Um, I mean, obviously, we have our standard channels um, in our company. But yeah, I think there's also, you know, some LinkedIn groups or Facebook groups. But I think um, there's a mix of different methods. I've also recruited um back at um, Cornell and Stanford in the past. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different channels. Great. Um, and Anne, what's, what's next for you in this space? Where do you see yourself um, going with your interests? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just keep on continuing um, doing a lot of different research. I think, um, as I said, I really like adapting, kind of coming up with new methods based on kind of older methods and based on, you know, what else could come in the future. I mean, I think that it's a it's an open landscape, so there's a lot of possibilities and things change really quickly. So just, yeah, just really open to new ideas and definitely open to collaborating with um, anyone who's listening. We're going to put all your, all your contact details and links down in the show notes so that people if they want to know more about you or just reach out they can do that but yeah so um, I think that would be it from my side thank you very much it's been uh, it's been a, a big pleasure talking to you and, and understanding better your experience in this space thank you so much yeah this has been great for me too <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.